Yes, our God is faithful. Thank you, Bob and Frank, for that beautiful song. Great is thy faithfulness. Well, God may be faithful, but sometimes I'm not. So if you get angry about my sermon, I can send you to Pastor Tracy for anger management next to three Sundays across the street for anger class. So you can do so accordingly. Uh, we have been talking about book of Ecclesiastes for the past few Sundays. And today we arrive at our destination as you wrap up our series. This series, as Ecclesiastes has been talking about, what are the words that we've been using? Life is enigmatic, confusing, uncertain, puzzling, confusing. Who likes that? I mean, especially we, the people of this culture in Northeast, enigmatic, confusing, uncertainty. We are allergic to that word. The words that we like are clarity, certainty. That's what we want. But the main teacher of this book so far, Kohelet, has been teaching us that life is very uncertain and confusing and puzzling. Hevel, hevel. But today, finally, he is talking about certainty. The cynic, skeptic teacher who's been teaching us finally brings us to certain thing. Uh, don't get too excited yet because the certainty that this Kohelet brings us to, this teacher brings us to, is death. Can it be any worse than them or Debbie Downer? So we will deal with this passage um, about death. Why? Why do we need to talk about death? Number one, scripture brings us to. And number two, well, believe it or not, you will face it one day. After this Kohelet teacher talks that everything is confusing and you don't know for certain, one thing I know certain that we all will die. What a great way to begin a sermon, right? <laughs> it can get only better. And uh, death is coming for you all. You never know what tomorrow holds. I'll talk more about it during a sermon, but I never knew that I was going to receive this phone call. I received just this past couple weeks ago. The death, let's talk about it. Before diving in, a couple housekeeping items. One, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there are two main voices. One, Kohelet, which is in ESV translated as preacher, or some also say as teacher. If you remember Pastor Matt's sermon a couple weeks ago, the preacher can be misleading because preacher is the one who's often delivering a sermon. So Pastor Matt does not like the translation, and so does many modern translations translate that as a teacher. Kohelet, that Hebrew word, is really the one who shares his testimony about how God has dealt with him in his life. So translation can be hard. So throughout the sermon, I will just say Kohelet. So when I say Kohelet, you know who I'm talking about, the main voice. Because in the end, we'll look at both chapters, two chapters today. But in the end, after Kohelet speaks, finally the author of the book comes up. Author of the book summarized everything that Kohelet's been talking about and says, Therefore, fear God and keep his commandments. That's the end of the book. So today's section is the final words for Kohelet before the main author picks up where Kohelet lives off. So it's a very big weight to it. And second, 
So I was asked to preach between 9 and 12, 7. In the beginning of 9, at the end of that passage, essentially talking about the same thing, the death. So we will deal with both chapters, 9 and 12. That being said, let's open up your Bible to page 557, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 557. Uh, this is the text that we will be reading, and after that, we will also read following chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Pew Bible 557. The heading says it all. Death comes to all. Let me read it for us. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all. Since the same event happens to all, to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who, jo who, but he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. This is talking about the universality of death. Everyone dies. Go to chapter 12. I read 1 through 7. This section can be very confusing. Bear in mind. I'll explain in a moment. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the ears draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of the song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond trees blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is reading of God's word. 
So read this text, three things that we l l e a r n Number one, the universality of death. We all are going to die. That's the first thing we l l e a r n And then we'll learn then how to live a life with death in view. How to live our life with death in view. And finally, how to find hope in Jesus. So the universality of death, how to live a life, and how to find hope in Jesus. Let's go. First, the universality of death. Go to chapter 9. First three verses, I'll walk through, but let me read verse 3 one more time. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. In the first three verses, Kohelet talks about this. After he talks about God's sovereignty in verse 1, he also says, you have no idea what lies before your life. Some, there may be love. Some, may there be hate. There may be joy or sorrow. And then he goes on saying in verse 2, the great equalizer, whether you're righteous or unrighteous, whether you're wise or foolish, whether you're rich or poor, death happens to all of us. In verse 3, he says, this is not good. Death is an evil, but nonetheless, it is coming. Therefore, we should talk about it. See, after Kohelet talks about so much enigmatic, confusing, randomness of life, he finally brings us to certainty. But that's death, and we don't like it. But he's forcing us to deal with that. See, we Christians... do not have monopoly over death. Throughout the history, generations, philosophers, traditions, religions, all tried to deal with death because whether you're believers or non-believers, rich or poor, death is coming for all of us. So let me give you how the people try to answer this question. First, philosophers. A classical author, Cicero, believed that the main task of philosophy is to teach people how to face death. The king of philosophy, the end of philosophy, is to teach people how we should face death because the mortality and death create so much fear within us. Um, Unfulfilled desire and sadness comes along. So philosophy's job is to give relief on all those things. How about the contemporary philosopher, French philosopher Luc Ferry says that perhaps the most terrible truth that we must face is that inevitably all of us will be separated from the loved ones. This is what Luc Ferry says. What do we desire above everything else? It is to be understood and loved rather than be alone and therefore above all not to die and not to have our loved ones die on us. Even perhaps more than our own death, perhaps what we fear the most is the death of our spouse, death of our parents, death of our children. This is reality. See, on the other side, how about us? The modern Western culture, how do we deal with death? This culture is known as a secular culture. And the word secular means now, nowism. Now is everything. Therefore, work hard, play hard. This is all that is. If you die, you're gone. So death is something that we don't talk about. It's a taboo. 
the modern Western culture do not want to deal with death. How about the Eastern cultures? culture that I came from, not that I'm a Buddhist, but let me just explain the view of Buddhist, how they deal with death here. They thought this world is all illusion. Therefore, in order to have equal equilibrium and tranquility of your soul, it's not to give affection to any things of this world. How do you face death is to not to love anything. The problem, craving it too much, is what causes us problem. So the most practical way of life and death is to never give your heart and affection, but to restrain your joy in everything. This is actually very similar to the Greek philosophers, especially Stoicism. They believed that feelings all bad, it must be mute and tamed. Don't hope for it. Don't give your heart for it. Um, There's some similarity between Buddhism and Stoicism. This is what Keller said. Both Eastern cultures and Stoicism deny that it is a good thing to live in hope. On the contrary, they both say hope is a killer. If we live hoping that our plans will succeed, and if they tell ourselves our happiness depends on their fulfillment, we will be suffering anxiety during the interim and then devastation when the goals are not accomplished and it will be our fault. The both Buddhism and Stoicism thinks hope is a killer. You shouldn't hope. Then is that what Kohelet brings us to? While there's some partial truth in that, what does Kohelet and Christianity have to say? This cynic and skeptic Kohelet who's been talking is really bad to live in hope. Look verse 4 through 6. What does he say? But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. First three verses, we were told that death is inevitable. After talking life, it's puzzling. Oh, I know one thing that is certain. That's death. He seems to be very excited about death all of a sudden. But he's saying, no, living is better than dying. For all the living has hope. It's a statement because he says in verse 4, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. In the culture, dog was contemptible. They did not like dogs. Dog lovers, no offense. I'm a dog lover too. They did not consider dog as anything, but lion was a prestige, royalty. So for Kohelet to say living dog is better than a dead lion means living is so much better than death. But Kohelet is cynic and still has to be cynic. Why is living better? Look verse 5. For the living know that they'll die. At least we know that we will die. So living is better. So what his point of view is this. Unlike modern Western cultures, don't think about death. Don't deal with it. This is everything. Kohelet says, deal with it while you have hope, while you're alive. Because once you're dead, you're dead. Unlike Buddhist or Stoicism, Kohelet says there is hope for us. So what is this hope that Kohelet 
is bringing us to talk about. So while we have hope, let us deal with it. So universality of death, we all will die. We must face it. That's what Kohelet is saying in 9. Let's go to chapter 12, and let's talk about how to live now with death in view. Now, this section is significant because, as I said, after 7, verse 8 is debatable. But after 7, perhaps 8, after the author of the book picks up, these are the final words of Kohelet, one who's been sharing testimony. He said, death is coming and all. So now, what do you do? How to live a life? Look at the imperative command he gives in verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the ears draw near, which you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. His main imperative command for the living who has hope while we are still alive is to remember, remember our creator, the giver of life. See, the word remember is such a significant word for the believers because one of the main components of worship is remembrance. We gather each week to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Last week, we partook in communion. Do all this in remembrance of me. And Kohelet's main exhortation for us is remember creator while you still have time. Time's running out. Your body will fade and decay. That's what verse 2 through 6 is talking about. Bear with me here. Let me explain 2 through 6. This is very confusing, but one thing that is certain is that the author is talking about how our body is decaying. It's, as you age, it fades away. Look verse three, uh, 2, excuse me. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, meaning old age, with old age, you are having gradual loss of sight, perhaps death. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, meaning your arms and your hands shake, tremble, and the strong men are bent, your leg, knees, and shoulder weaken, and you walk kind of bent over. And the grinders cease, you start to lose your teeth. Because they are few, and who look through the windows are dimmed, your vision begins to de deteriorate. Verse 4, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grounding is low and one rise up at the sound of a bird. Most likely, your hearing will go. And all the daughters of songs are brought low. Your voice begins to quiver and weaken. So while it is difficult, he goes on and on. And then he arrives at final destination, verse 7. Out of dust you are made. Out of dust you shall return. We will die. That's what he brings us. But before all this, while you decay, before you die, his main exhortation for us is remember. The Hebrew word that Kohelet used, remember, means to recall, especially to keep in mind. So what Kohelet is telling you and I today, to keep in your mind Jesus Christ, God the Father, triune God, who has created you, the question that I ask you and I today, what do you keep in your mind? What do I keep in my mind? What do I remember? See, when I wake up in the morning, do I keep in mind my creator, savior? Oftentimes I confess, I'm busy checking my phone. I sometimes feel like I'm serving the God of productivity. Oh, these are so much things I need to do. I need to check my to-do list. 
So while Kohelet tells us to remember and think, I don't want to think. So sometimes I just want to roll cell phone screen, numb my mind by reading a bunch of articles. Kohelet's main exhortation is for us to remember your creator while you have time. That meaning, what do you keep in your mind? What is it? Perhaps what keeps you up at night is your retirement plan. That's what you're keeping in your mind. Perhaps what keeps you up the most is worrying about your children. Perhaps what you keep in your mind is your family planning, financial planning. Oh, I got to get up the ladder in my career. All the future, we're desperately trying to figure out what we remember the most is about me, my kingdom, my future, my finance, my own security. Uh, but unlike Buddhist or Stoicism, unlike modern secular, who forced us not to think about it, Kohelet asked us to remember. See, I did not expect this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I received a phone call from back in Korea saying that my grandmother passed. Um, I did not expect that, but she lived a long and good life. She was 97 when she passed. I received a phone call, so I was like, I got to go. In this earth, there's nobody else who prayed for me more than my grandmother, besides my mom and dad. She was a prayer warrior. So I booked a flight ticket and went. And while we were having this funeral and all, I saw them wrapping my grandmother's body. Uh, one last time, I got to see her. And her pastor of Emeritus came to do the service. And he shared a lot about my grandmother. So I got to know my grandmother more because he has known her, really. So after the service, I asked him, hey, who was my grandma? How was she? I mean, I loved her. I knew her well, but I wanted to hear what her pastor had to say. Do you know what he said? Do you think he was going to talk about, oh, your grandmother was successful. Your grandmother was rich. She was beautiful. No. Do you know the first thing he said? She never missed early morning prayer meeting, which happens at 5 a.m. every day in Korea. For the record, my grandmother did not drive. She had to walk 30 minutes to a church. That means she must have gotten at 4 a.m. every morning, warm or cold, to go to church to pray for an hour. Every time I would talk on a phone, she said two things. Jenna, I am praying for you. Be a good pastor. Those two things. She would tell me all the time what kept her mind is not the sand castle that she was building, her own ambition, but she really loved Jesus more than anything else. She remembered Jesus. So my uncle, I asked my uncle, my uncle said my grandmother read Bible six times a year for the past 50 years. That means over 300 times. I only read it twice last year. I barely got through it twice because I'm busy pursuing my own ambition because I'm busy remembering my kingdom, my glory. What do you remember? Kohelet tells us to remember. What is it that keeps you up at night, Stonehill? Is it about how to glorify our triune God who has created us, who has given us life? At the end of the funeral, we were singing her favorite hymn of all time. Oh, and I sobbed. Do you know why I sobbed and wept? Yes, sure, I missed my grandmother. But more than that, even through death, she was still preaching to me the gospel. The hymn, her favorite hymn that we sang really showed her life. And I might sing these lyrics, but my life was singing completely different. Oh, listen to these lyrics. 
and see whether you can say that not only with your lips, but the way you live your life. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. This words of words today. I'd rather have Jesus than vain applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. Do you know why I was sobbing and weeping? Because, God, I may be a pastor. I'm singing this song. But if I'm really honest with my life, do you know what I'm singing in my life? I'd rather have me. Oh, and also silver and gold. I'd rather have riches. I'd rather have vain applause. I'd rather have houses or land. But my grandmother who lived a really soul-focused life, she remembered Jesus who saved her in her youth throughout all her life. Faithfully remembered Jesus, kept Jesus in her mind. Stonehill, what do you remember? See, one of the legacy that my grandmother left for me and all of us, she had seven children and 50 of us, including grandchildren. There are seven pastors, including myself, and all 50 of them are really committed believers of Jesus. I just don't know any family like that. Um, she loved Jesus, and she remembers, she kept Jesus in her mind. People of Northeast, what do you keep your mind? Is that Jesus, or is that anything else? Kohelet, one who pursued everything in this world, realized even wisdom is not everything. Even the rich or poor, wise and foolish, all die. In the end, what matters is remembering your creator who gave you life, and that's hope what do we remember today? If you and I are honest with ourselves, oh, I'm not there often. <laughs> I remember many other things. Where's hope in that? So we talked about the universality of death, how we all die, and yet how to live by remembering our creator. Then where is hope? Finally, let's go to the final verse, twelve seven. How to find hope in Jesus even in death. Verse 7, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Here, dust alludes to Genesis where God has created us from the dust. Out of dust we are formed, and out of dust we shall return. And the spirit, meaning when God created us, he breathed life into us. He breathed spirit in our lungs, and that goes to God. Or for the one who knew Jesus in eternal bliss with him forever, for those who did not know Jesus in condemnation. See, death seems to be undoing everything that our creator God has done as it returns to ash. Where is hope in that? The answer is you and I today need to look to the one who conquered the death. Through his death, death has been defeated. Through his death, we have life. Through the cosmic death that he experienced on the cross, now the living has hope. We will know death will come, 
But because Jesus has conquered cosmic death, our spirit will be with God and forever in eternity. Do you know Jesus today? Jesus loves you. He pursued you. He loved you to death on the cross. And he's risen and reigning forever. Final word of Kohelet is that we will one day all come to dust. Do you know him? See, I saw this on my first hand. In Korea, we have a land problem. Meaning, there are too many people, such a small land. So all, near 90% of population is cremated. So I saw my grandmother's burnt and now the only thing remains is ash out of dust she was made and out of dust she returned but her spirit is with jesus more alive than ever before because she loved jesus and jesus has known her estonia what are we pursuing today see fourth century archbishop of milan ambrose said this let there be this difference between the servants of christ and the worshipers of idols that the latter weep for their friends, whom they suppose to have perished forever. But from us, for whom death is the end, not of our nature, but of this life only, since our nature itself is restored to a better state, let the advent of death wipe away all tears. We are more alive than ever when we return to dust, when you know Jesus Christ. So, Kohelet tells us, life can be puzzling, life can be difficult, but death is coming. So, while you have time, while you have hope, remember your creator, the one who gave you life, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, I examine my own heart. What do I keep in my mind. Lord, I worry about many things. I worry about future. I worry about uncertainties. Many things fill the blank. Oh Lord, I lift up our congregation before you. Perhaps it's similar to many of us. But oh God, above all else, help us to remember you, our creator, our sustainer, the one who has given us life and hope. So, Lord, we look to the cross. We behold the crucified and risen Savior who gave us this hope. So when our body turns into dust and ash, our spirit will be with you forever and evermore. So, Lord, we hope in you. May that day come soon that you come back in glory, that we have a new body and be with you forever. So we pray, Maranatha, come, come soon, dear Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, let's stand.